Hi, my name is Chet. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. <clears throat> that sounds weird. I have it turned up too loud. Okay, that's better. It's uh, episode 133. I'll be interviewing Mate Jaco today. Actually, had a really fun interview with him. So I look forward to sharing that with you shortly. 133. It's, it's been going on for a while now. I think it's like two years or something. I don't think we've been fully two years, but two years is coming up at some point. Anyway, uh, it's Monday, the Monday of the the Monday before the Wednesday that the show's going up. I'm a little behind on things. As usual, I'm always a little high, behind on everything. A day late, a dollar short. That should be my motto. But I still carry on, and I'm here. So we should get everything done in time to have the podcast posted early sometime tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. Uh, I'm just rambling because I don't really have anything prepared for today. I've been, let's see, what have I been up to? Oh, I'm painting my painting for the Dark Art Society group show that is opening October 12th in at Copperell Gallery in Santa Monica. That should be a really good show. By now, maybe you've seen the flyer. It's uh, Dos Diablos designed it. It's incredible. It's one of the coolest flyers I've ever seen for an art show. So Dos Diablos is an amazing, not only is he an amazing painter, but he's also a great graphic designer. So, uh, and he always does great work with graphics and stuff. So thank you, Dos, for doing that. Uh, so that's coming up. And I'm working on my painting. It's another Black Magic painting that I've been wanting to create for a while now since I did the thumbnail sketch a while back. Uh, him standing in front of this massive graveyard holding his gun up in his usual pose. It's going into the book, the dystopia book also, which I'm still working on. So uh, it's 24 by 30. I'm going to have new <coughs> frame corners for it. So I just got to get my ass in gear because it's like September 30th today. I have, uh, I guess the big thing is that I've sort of put my foot down with myself and, and got after myself a little bit and um, made the commitment to try and become more organized in my life because I'm just tired of feeling like everything's in chaos all around me and I could just barely keep up with anything, which is basically how I feel all the time. So I'm attempting to schedule out, you know, uh, I'll start with scheduling out the next couple months and sticking to a schedule, which means I'm going to be waking up at six in the morning every morning and meditating by seven and starting work by eight. It just goes so completely against how I was brought up or, or the situation I was in while I was, while I was a child it was very different than that. I didn't have a lot of rules when I was a kid, which was great in a lot of ways. You know, so I kind of got to do whatever. Didn't have to really 
you know, keep my room neat and tidy. <laughs> but while a lot, while I got a lot of freedom and a lot of great experience from it, I also uh, there's a lot of bad habits that come with that. So anyway, I just figured, you know, I have so much I still have to do. I have to get this dystopia book done. It's it's still killing me. I've got you know, I've got to come up with the money every month. I've got to project ahead how much money I'm going to need. Blah blah blah. And I'm just starting to trying to start starting to try and organize that on a calendar and stick to that schedule. So that's kind of the biggest thing that's happened to me in the last week or so since I've talked to you guys last. And today was the first day and and I did good. I got up at 6, meditated at 7, started working at about 8:10. But, you know, that's close enough. Can't be too hard on myself. Um, yeah, so that's that. Had the granddaughters over this weekend. That was fun. Or had them Sunday. We found a dead bat in the gutter outside, which is a bummer. But um, we had a little grave digging ceremony for the bat. Um, yeah, nothing too exciting, though. Okay, let's get on with it. Um, if you would like to support this podcast, please donate at uh, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And um, let me read off the new patrons. Uh, I also have a Patreon, a personal one that I, I'm really trying to push. And if you want to see that black magic painting process, I'm Every day after I paint on it, I'm posting it on my Patreon. And I'm also doing a time lapse of it. And uh, I'm going to start, hopefully, in October, I think I can start streaming. So I'm going to start streaming my live painting on Patreon exclusively. And you can paint along with me and check that out. I'm late on my tutorial, but I'm going to try and see if I can get something done today and get it up by... I don't know, today or tomorrow, but I do a monthly tutorial. I do these mentorships. If you're an artist who's looking to break through to the next level artistically or even career-wise, I, I do monthly meetings at the highest mentorship level, and we get one-on-one -on -one time. And, and the uh, artists who have been doing this with me have really, I've seen just such great improvement in, in their work. It's pretty amazing. So. I have some of those open still, and um, I'm going to be adding physical rewards as well to the to the tiers. That one's patreon.com slash chetzar. So you can join that as well and support me if you dig what I'm doing. Okay, so as far as the Dark Art Society goes, we've got some new subscribers. Okay... Let's see. I won't read the deleted ones. You know who you are. Haha. Uh -huh. Just kidding. Um, that's fine. You know, I know how it is. Uh, let's see. Stephen Daly. Stephen Daly's a really good painter. He teaches in Monrovia too, where I live. He teaches art uh, at this visual effects school. I don't know if he's still doing that, but he was before. Thank you, Stephen. Joel Orozco. Thank you, Joel. 
Lakota F. Meyer, thank you for subscribing. Jason Guffey, with a, a little bit of a larger donation, thank you for doing that. That's, that's really appreciated. Um, I do, uh, I, I do want to start doing the bonus podcast. If you're not aware uh, of the situation, I I had to take the podcast over by myself because Mike, my partner in, in this podcast, had to leave and go and start a different life and he didn't have access to internet so he had to leave the podcast so the uh, bonus podcast and stuff i haven't been able to get done for the patreon page but you know i'm trying i'm doing my best to keep up on this stuff okay stefan fournier thank you fournier fournier i think thank you for subscribing and psycho arts Thank you for supporting. That's pretty good this month. Well, you people are making this podcast possible. So thank you for that. And everyone listening should should be thanking you as well. And you should be thanking yourself if you support it because you're you're making this free for everyone. You're making this possible. So uh, I applaud you for that. All right. On to the five questions so we can get on to this interview. Uh, let's see. Frederick Gory Adams. If you could live in a painting, anyone's painting forever, which one would you like to spend eternity in? Mm. Well, I can't think of a painting I would like to spend eternity in, but I get, I get where you're going with this. It'd be a real toss-up between a Giger world or Bekshinsky world. They both seem amazing. Man, I don't know if I could choose. Um, mm, I don't know. One of those two. How about that? Or maybe dystopia world. World I paint. I guess I'm already in that world though in a way okay let's see cross that one out i gotta keep track of this stuff um von belak how do you get unstuck if you get in a rut i have mentioned this before i believe <clears throat> one thing i do when i feel like i'm stuck in a rut or at least when i'm um not feeling inspired i look at artwork online that seems to really um, get me inspired is looking at, at other great artwork by really amazing artists um stuck in a rut as far as doing the same thing over and over and maybe that's what you're talking about or i'm not sure but um i try and experiment when i feel like i'm kind of doing the same thing over and over that kind of rut um, experimentation is always good giving yourself a time limit on, on artwork is good or you could uh, you can give yourself a short time limit or you could make your if you're a fast painter you could make yourself work for a really long time just to you know change things up a little bit um, sculpting sometimes is good to get you out of your rut if you're a painter or vice versa or just changing media mediums me, media I guess media is the word. Uh, okay, so those are some good ones. 
Uh, let's see. Okay. Scott Holloway, name three of your favorite foods. Okay. Well, Zello pizza would be one. Should have thought about this. Uh, okay, uh, tacos, vegetarian tacos, vegan tacos that we make here are really good. I like those a lot. And my mom's pancakes. My mom used to make the most amazing pancakes ever. Unparalleled. Those are my three. Uh, Andy Rebe, when you work on a painting, do you just work on that one or do you work on several paintings? I work on several, several paintings almost all the time. Like I feel weird if I'm only working on one painting. Uh, I, I like to have something to, if I still feel like painting, but I need to, 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 uh, let the painting I'm working on dry. Then I like to have something standing by at least one other painting standing by. But right now I have probably, I'm working on, oh God, this fucking, I don't know if you could hear this, but in my headphones, I keep getting these emails. Ding, ding, ding. It's driving me insane. Let me see if I quit mail. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, right now I have, I have this Dark Art Society painting. I have one for, uh, I'm doing for a, a friend of mine, uh, well, a couple friends, Gary Diocampo is producing a, uh, short, I think it's a short film or a movie that Micheline Pitt is doing. And it's, a I think it's called a girl and her monster. And so I'm doing a girl and her monster for a Kickstarter reward just to help out with that. Uh, it's just a quick little painting. And I have all the dystopia paintings, so I probably have about, let's see, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, 12 to 15 paintings going right now, I would guess. And that's fine. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I like it. I like to be able to bounce around. That's just me. Some people like to start it and finish it. But not me. Okay, that was one, two, three, four. Okay, here's number five. Chris Hacker, what are your thoughts on the next Dark Art Society retreat? Any specific locations or just a, a meetup of some sort surrounding another event like Monster Palooza or something else? That's a good idea. And then Michael R. Miller chimed in Dark Art Society booth, alternating shifts, live art with meetups after. All great ideas. But to be honest, I have not been able to uh, even think about the next Dark Art Re Society retreat. Now, the first Dark Art Society retreat was at Mike's house in New Mexico. And he kind of pushed for that to happen. I wasn't like really big on it happening because I was like, I don't think I can go this year. I'm too busy. Just, you know, there's not enough money coming in. I can't afford it. Blah, blah, blah. There was a lot of reasons why I couldn't do it, but he, he really wanted to do it. So I kind of let him deal with it and do what he could and, and he did it at his place um and it was cool but i think what people maybe want 
in regards to doing it next time would be more of a conventional one at a convention center, perhaps, or a smaller business center where you could do uh, marketing classes and sort of anything that involves the dark, dark art society or, or dark art, you know, little lectures to help the artists out and the fans of the artwork, you know, just some, some way to get together, mingle and exchange ideas and celebrate dark art. But I, like I said, I, I'm, I can't, uh, do it right now i just can't do anything i'm just, we're trying to get the, we're still trying to get the website up which should be where we should be i think we're launching around the time of the dark art society group show which is october 12th so until this thing is bringing in enough money to where you know you can pay people to do things it's going to be slow going and it's kind of going to be on a volunteer basis maybe um so but you know, I, I have a vision of it, of a dark art society retreat or convention or whatever you want to call it. There is a kind of a, like a Shriners temple in my town in Monrovia, which is a cool little town that I was eyeballing the other day because there was like a wedding convention there it's a small it's kind of a smaller place it's not like a big convention like monster palooza is at but it is a good idea to do something in tandem with monster palooza but maybe not well yeah it's hard to say because people are going to be so tired from especially people like me working all day at monster palooza um i don't know it's something we need to keep bouncing around and you know Let's, if, if, if you guys really want it to happen, the thing I would suggest is start making it happen, maybe. <laughs> you know, like grab the bull by the horns and see if you can set that, something up. Uh, I, 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 I can't do it at this moment, um, but I would like to. So anyway, those are my thoughts. And, uh, you know, I keep thinking at some point it's not going to be so hard to make a living. It's got to happen at some point. And, and at that point, I'll be able to do more things like um, deal with the Dark Art Society retreat and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm rambling. Let's get on with the interview, shall we? Okay. Mate Jocko. I'm still not sure. He told me how to pronounce his name. And I, and I feel like I'm getting it wrong. Mate. Mate. Jocko. Jocko. Anyway, super cool guy. Really great artist and a really great conversation. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And here we go. What's up, Mate? Ground control to my... <laughs> Um, <laughs> hello, control to mate. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I was just telling you my woes earlier, but I'm good now. Things are. I saw saw your happy Set. face and heard your your pleasant voice, and now I'm feeling better than I was about 20 minutes ago. So now it's great sure. to have you on the show, man. Thank you for coming on. That's that's a pleasure. I'm I'm very very honored to be here. Cool. 
Well, um, I'm honored to have you on here. Your stuff's awesome. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm just going to go to the beginning of your life. You've got kind of a, um, an interesting background. You were born in, you're Hungarian, right? Yeah. 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 So I was what, born in Hungary, Southeast. Southeast. A place, yeah. A place called Hold Mezővásárhely. What? <laughs> yeah. Say that it's, slowly. Um, Hold Mezővásárhely. Wow. Okay. And it basically means, and <laughs> I don't know how to uh, say this, but so Hold means beaver. Uh-huh. Uh, but the animal beaver uh, <laughs> hold mezu mezu means land like a field vasharhei uh-huh. is marketplace so beaver mm-hmm. field marketplace ah. is basically the name of the this was basically in uh 18th 19th century uh peasant paris it was called because it was culturally a very vivid place um Lots of poets, lots of artists are from this area. Um, really big actors. So it's 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 really interesting because there's absolutely nothing there. It's the big Hungarian lowland. Uh, in fact, it's southeast Hungary. Another mountain or anything, another hill in sight. And I think that is the reason why it's so. Um, it just inspires you to to create something more, mm. to see something more. Right. Yeah. How, what was, did, was, did you have a good childhood there or was it, uh, what was, what was your life like there? Uh, yes and no. Um, of course my parents are going to kill me for the no answer. Um, <laughs> uh, it, so I had a, a lovely family life. However, um, I, uh, so, okay, Hungary and reality and uh, uh, people in Hungary, uh, and, and you can see this on the art, especially literature, mm-hmm. is um, very realistic and coming from uh, the, the, the Russian realism uh, had huge effects on, on the Hungarian art and, you know, everything. I'm not going to get into Hungarian history and everything, but we were pretty much all the time invaded by another nation and during our history. And therefore, we have a certain attitude in Hungary um, that is very, like, down to earth and um, dry. You know, it's... Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really hard to um, uh, describe it. It's like it, we we don't really have fantasy writers in Hungary in in classic literature, for example. Ah. And no no fantasy stuff like it's more nothing like, it's nothing more like, imaginary. Right. It's more like real realism. Absolutely gritty. It's, it's, the people the people went through so much, right. and there were always so many problems within the country. That there was just no need for this and um interesting seems like there would be more need for that maybe in a way yeah yeah it's it's interesting but maybe it's, it's not but, but it didn't turn out yeah it's maybe not as inspiring though it doesn't inspire fantasy although <laughs> but it seems like fantasy would be something that those people particularly in a place like that might benefit from yeah, yeah, and no, I, I totally agree, and and probably that is the reason why I was always so engaged by this uh, fantasy world mm-hmm. and comic books and superheroes and 
and films, you know, like I grew up with films, you guys made the effects in, and I love the blob and, you know, Darkman, and I know what's your opinion about the Darkman makeup and everything, you <laughs> uh, uh, sculpting. I, I, I absolutely love that film, and... and um, I, I like it. I like. Hey, I like the dark man makeup. I, I. I. just. I didn't like that he didn't have lips and he was able to pronounce P's and B's and M's. That's the only, my only yeah, problem. <laughs> this the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, it's, it's a comic book movie. Story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I love those films that, by the way, like gonna go in balls deep. Like, pardon my expression, but like you know, they take responsibility for yeah. these like crazy rules right. they set up. And anyway, so uh, I was very engaged with this and therefore I never belonged. And um, mm. I always had a mentality um, that was very different from Hungarians. And um, what I always say, um, and, and I don't know if it's a good thing if I tell this joke, you know, uh, here in the podcast, but it's basically, uh, I think I told you this when we were at the pizza place, you know, having dinner that, um, you know, there's this like very evil guy goes down to heaven, uh, sorry, hell. And um, the devil decides to give him a tour himself because, you know, this is like very evil, this guy. Mm. And they, you know, see this pool of people, you know, like suffering and everything. And they see like security cameras and like these demons with weapons and everything. And who are these people? They are the French, you know, they tend to, have a revolution you know so we try to press them down and everything mm. they see another pool of people even more suffering everything you know security double security who are these people they are the german you know we need the double security because they are like really like passionate third pool of people the biggest suffering you've seen so far the souls are on the top of each other no security no demons nothing and who are these people? Oh, they are the Hungarians, but don't worry about them. They push each other back. <laughs> and, and, you know, interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, so, um, the way I grew up in South, uh, uh Southern, Southern Eastern Hungary is that, um, for my passions, I was like kind of bullied and like, you know, um, not, um, I never really belonged and, and therefore I was kind of lonely, um, but I had my personality, you know, I was always the clown of the class, you know, in school and everything. But then uh, when I was 11 years, so I was uh, at this point, I was working in uh, theaters as an actor. Oh, really? Yeah, which I started when I was like eight, nine years old. Oh, yeah. I think you did tell me about that. Yeah. yeah and right, right. when I was 11 years old, I got into the Hungarian television. Right. And uh, that basically turned my life hell. <laughs> Tur really? Yeah, yeah. It's it, why did know, it turn your life to hell? It, it it was it was a lot of fun. So you know, once again, I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, you know, it was it was great fun, and I really enjoyed myself. But um, it, it, it's so weird, Chad, because um, <clears throat> it's like really emotional talk, talking about this. Hmm. Um. um so before I got in the TV, uh, I was, you know, outcast for the things I already described. And when I got in the TV, especially from that like little town I was from, um, I was even more 
an outsider and aloof uh, to, to kids and teachers as well. Mm. And uh, when I was, because uh, basically the television show was shot in Budapest, mm-hmm. but I was still going to school back in Hodmezővásárhely. And when I was in Budapest, everything was fine. But when I went back to school, you know, reality hit me again. And also school and me, we always had a horrible relationship mm-hmm. because I was a very bad student. I always was just, I wanted to tell my own stories. And I remember this, <laughs> oh my God, I remember this one thing. Basically in Hungary, we have these like, I don't know how to describe this uh, on English, but for example, you recite a poem or you recite a, a story, mm-hmm. a short story, mm-hmm. all right? And this is a competition. Okay. And you go to this competition and you go there and you recite whatever you learned and you perform that. Or, you know, in, in like the case of a poem, you know, just like recite the poem really nicely. And, uh, you know, Hungarian language is very... The kind of language you enunciate a lot, so mm-hmm. it's it's about you speak beautifully and you pronounce the words and etc. And I remember that I wanted to go to this competition, but I didn't want to study anything for it. And this was like a, a story, you know, a short story reciting competition. I know it sounds stupid. I'm sorry, man, but I, don't um, know I, I get it. I get it. It makes sense. And basically what happened in, in a short story, uh, a long story cut short, that um, the teacher was like, okay, Mate, you are next. Uh, and I went out and I started to tell this story. And I was like halfway into the story about this, uh, uh, you know, creature that uh, stole a, a spring and that was like a winter forever and et cetera, et cetera. And I was coming, coming up with this story like on the spot and everything. Really? You're making the your teacher, own? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All the time, all the time. Uh. And the teacher was like, okay, Mate, um, is this you You making this up, right? And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> She was like, okay, go and sit down. Let's wow, you see, that, that's, that's such a shame. It's, it's, so, Chad, the first time when I started drawing, for example, I started drawing because of you guys, because of you, Stan Winston, and, you know, the special effects guys. Mm-hmm. I loved Alien. I loved these films and these creatures and everything. So, obviously, the first things I drew were monsters and creatures. And I remember I showed this to, to my um, art teacher and my art teacher told me that don't waste your talent on such folly things. Wow. <laughs> and it really, really hurt me. Yeah. We, I, a lot of us got that growing up from at least, you know, a few adults. It's, I understand, but like, they what I cannot it. understand is that they didn't understand, and they I'm sure there are people understand to this very day who do not understand that mm-hmm. the level of responsibility they have in their hands when they're teaching kids and when they're influencing the next generation of people. Yeah. And that, yeah, really hurt me. So I've I, I, just to interject a little bit, a little short please, l- little please. story of mine when I was a <laughs> I was in the fifth grade, and I was drawing drawing this picture of Kiss, you know the band Kiss. 
I was drawing. I used to be really into kids when I was a little kid and I was drawing it and it was my best picture I ever did. And it was so good. (laughs) And I was drawing it and the teacher's like, put the, put the drawing away. It was right after lunch. And then I, I couldn't stop. I just had to finish this one part. She's grabbed it, ripped it up. And I was so pissed. And um, that's crazy. Oh, it made me so mad. And uh, uh, and my mom got pissed. And my mom went down and fucking yelled at her, <laughs> which was really showed how cool my mom was. But anyway, by the, by the way, about your parents, you know, whenever you talk about your parents, especially your dad, you know, I'm like, I know envy is awful, but I'm like, God, like, so okay, listen, my real father. Um, who, by the way, passed away recently, um, uh, actually, th- the beginning of this year, was a very talented musician. Mm. However, um, he gave it all up because of alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he, I basically haven't seen the old man for like 25 years. Right. Uh, and now I've just been informed that, you know, he passed away at the beginning of this year. It's like awful. But yeah, going back to your father is like, whenever you talk about your parents and your father is like, it must have been so incredible to have an artist family member because where I'm coming from my family, nobody else is an artist. Right. Yeah. And I was always supported, but when I'm telling my parents that I'm going to have like a, a, a podcast show with Chad Zar this evening, they don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah. They don't know what it means. Right. And that like really, you know, when, when I went to... Um, you know, Steve, Steve Wang studio, for example, or, uh, uh, Jose, you, you know, um, invited us to iron heads. Uh, they know that I'm very passionate about this stuff, but they don't know who these people are and like what I'm into, what I'm doing. Right. And that's like, there's that gap between us. It's kind of, you know, yeah. Sake. Yeah. When you care about some people, you want them to understand what you're into and appreciate yeah. it also. So it's, it's kind of a, it is kind of a bummer, but I was lucky with my, my, I mean, my parents never, that's one thing I could say. I, I mean, my parents were great, but um, they never, you know, never steered me away from an art career. Never. Mm-hmm. They never said, oh, you should try doing this or you should try yeah. being practical. It was always like, do what you want to do, which is pretty amazing. A lot, yeah. a lot of people don't have that. But I wanted to get back to um, your school experience. So how did it change? What was the problem going from uh, being a, a, a TV star going back to your old school? Did you get hassled by the kids or teased or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, from then on, basically, I, I spent pretty much the rest of my uh, childhood while I was uh, this, um, wearing a baseball hat and like, you know, hiding my face and stuff. They didn't, because when they didn't think it was cool that you were on TV? Well, there were people who thought it was cool, but they were the minority. And, ah. and the rest, you know, it's like you're walking down the street and everything and uh, you're being shouted at and, you know, oh stuff God. that you said um, being quoted back at you, but in like, 
you know, the blah, 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 blah kind of way that, you know, like the, in, in Hellboy, there is that, like, hey, you Hellboy! You yeah. know, and <laughs> like, oh, yeah, whatever, fuck you. I'm so <laughs> you know, that, like, was, that was Tim Gore, by the way. Do you know Tim Gore? Yeah, I know. That, that was, I know that Tim was Gore. Him. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't dare to talk to Tim Gore. I, oh, I went to, Did I tell you this story? I went to Tim Gore once because uh, when, whenever I paint something, he always comments and he's like, whoever doesn't know who Tim Gore is, look him up. I right. mean, he's an industry veteran in the special effects industry, uh, a painter for 40 years mm -hmm. of experience. He did work on the biggest films. And so he comments on time to time when I'm like painting something that, oh my God, this is really good. Once he even commented that, because that was the second time I used an airbrush. Mm -hmm. And he was like, the second time you used an airbrush. I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'm just going to put it down because this is like his <laughs> And then I went to him and I was like, oh, oh, Mr. Gore. And I'm like very like shy when it like comes to this. And I was like, oh, Mr. Gore, I'm like, you know, I'm such a pleasure. And thank you for, uh, you know, commenting. And I'm an illustrator from Hungary. And, and he's like, okay, what the fuck is your name? <laughs> <laughs> That's his sense of humor, though. He is, he's a big... <laughs> He's a big sweetheart. He really. So I, was, I was like, oh, sorry, I, my name is Mate Yako and everything. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, Mate, listen, we're going to go to a party now and everything. Do like pussy. <laughs> that sounds like something he'd say. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> he's. I was like, I was like uh, yes, sir. It's just mine is in the other room. <laughs> I'm going to talk to her first. <laughs> <laughs> he he's, <laughs> he's, he's he's i don't dare to talk to him anymore <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to be on the podcast one of these days as soon as he uh, is ready he's going to be on the podcast but anyway yeah he's he's hilarious he seems like a lovely guy he seems like a lovely guy i just like i got like really intimidated by yeah, him and he's intimidating looking <laughs> but it's not about his looks you know is okay chat uh, listen whenever i meet these people so just to put it in perspective, and this is what I'm telling everyone when I'm talking to Alec Gillis or any of those people I know now, Steve Johnson, you know, is a good friend of mine now, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But when I grew up, I thought you guys live on another planet. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I was playing with my toys, with my action figures, you know, special effects were made by Studio ADI or whatever. Right. And now meeting these people, it's my mind cannot wrap around this. It's re it's really hard for me to understand. So that's why I told you this because this is where I'm coming from when I'm going to Tim Gore and trying right. to talk to him. Right. Obviously, he has no idea about this. Right. But I'm <laughs> going to him like sweaty. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. In yeah. That's funny. Okay, so. Anyway, back to you, 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 you managed to get through school. You, yeah. did, did you have any, like, you, did you have like any, anybody that was supporting your, your, your artwork, like friends or any family members that were like into what you were doing? It's really interesting because basically I started uh, pretty much drawing, um, who I don't want to mislead you, but probably like maybe nine years old or 10 years old or something like that. So it wasn't like, you know, those artists who are saying that I was born with a pencil in my hand that didn't happen in my life. Uh, I picked it up later, you know, because of comic books and monsters. 
and it was like an on and off relationship uh-huh. i was in her flat and then you know we had passionate sex and then i left right <laughs> and uh, basically uh, there was a time when you know i was just doing acting mm-hmm. and i basically completely stopped doing drawing and then i started to work after i finished school and high school as well which was even crazier because so after primary school ended i went to uh, budapest to study mm-hmm. in high school but i failed in six subjects because i weren't in school i had three jobs oh wow i worked for a company called lodge toys that was uh, distributing uh McFarlane toys oh. and you know it's kind of like action figures i really loved mm-hmm. and i was working for you know ivan poharnok no is a, a, a hungarian makeup effects uh, um oh, okay. artist uh, i'm sure you know just probably the way i pronounce it ivan poharnok yeah i'm He's sure like, I- I'm sure I know. Old guy, old guy with glasses. You know, he did a study with Dick Smith back oh, in the okay. day. Cool. And uh, basically, when I was in the TV, the director of the television show uh, knew how passionate I am about special effects and introduced me to Ivan. And then, you know, I was going to the studio and everything and talking, doing a couple of drawings and everything. And mm-hmm. I, I never forget how he flipped through my portfolio back then. You know, like mm, nice. You know, like. <laughs> and um but that was really fun and then the third was i was in the tv Mm. and that was a very trying time for me because i was always a very emotional kid and uh i just wanted to go home i loved budapest but i think i was too young Mm. to oh and what i forgot to tell you so i was living in uh this um a student house mm-hmm. which was a chat awful like imagine this old budapest have you seen underworld yeah you know werewolf not that was shot budapest the, the oh, first right. one okay old buildings that's how budapest looks like i love budapest by the way you would love budapest yeah, you have yeah. to come i know it sounds like it i've heard you that. would love it that you you can see <laughs> in some buildings the bullet holes by the russians are oh still God. visible Wow. invasion it's gorgeous such a rich history anyway so living in one of these student houses uh, is like really old building and everything and like 15 of us in the same room and oh we God. were constantly terrorized by these bigger boys and everything oh and God. i was actually was the lucky one because i was kind of their favorite because i always could like talk myself out of these situations <laughs> and everything but there were people who were hospitalized. Oh my from, God, so really? It, it, it was like a prison. There was an adult supervision? Well, until six, eight o'clock in the evening, and then they left. Oh. And then these kids were left for their own devices. And I remember stuff like they wet, wetted up all the PVC floor, you know, the linoleum floor, or mm-hmm. how, however you call that, of the, this like really long hallway in the student house. And these naked boys are like sliding on that, like freaking slide sliders, or <laughs> it's in the middle of the night. Oh my god! <laughs> in the middle of so, <laughs> so 
I just wanted to go home. Yeah. I just wanted to be myself. And this is a really interesting story, by the way, which is really crazy that we're talking about this. I haven't been thinking about this for so long. Mm. I have writings on these very shelves on the other side. From this time, I was writing, and some of it I wrote while I wasn't awake, or I don't remember writing that. Wow, really? And this is... I, I didn't show this to anyone, really, because it's like kind of disgusting, mm-hmm. you know. It's about sex and violence and rotting flesh and like just crazy shit like you know i'm reading this and i'm like what fuck you know like i don't know where it was coming from but i was like yeah lonely and 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 stuff uh, i guess yeah i don't know wow that's crazy so i spent that year budapest and then the television show ended and was folded. We went to another channel, but that folded as well and everything. So end of story. And then I went back to to do high school all over again, because my my parents were super pissed off that I wasn't studying or anything. You You must have been making decent money though, right? Well, from the TV, yes. Yeah. So that's... Two jobs, I didn't get salary, really. I was just, you know, enjoying myself, right. basically, living the life. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. That, that's what I... Uh, uh, actually, I didn't finish the, um, the train of thought before. That um, school and me, we always had a horrible relationship because I don't know how it was with you, Chad, but... I hated school. Didn't you feel that... Um, because I was... I always knew what is that I wanted to do. Right. And that I wanted do art exactly yeah let that anything yeah and stabbed me it it blocked me yeah nobody cared about my ideas and nobody cared about what i wanted to say i had to shut the fuck up stay in line and study especially in a post-communist country right yeah i i i you know i liked the art classes I had a creating creative writing class that was good. There was a couple teachers that that made school tolerable, but generally, since I was first went into school, I did not want to go. I I remember every year uh, after the summer, the first day of school, just dreading it. Just every fucking year, I was dreading going to school. I just was not into it. My my psychological problem about school was so deep that. I wanted to kill myself because of school. Wow. Uh, and and I had these like crazy ideas that, for example, whenever I like read a book or, you know, watched a film or something, I remember I was thinking that it's so good for Donald Duck because he ha- he doesn't have to go to school. Right. <laughs> and this kind of like, you know, weird idiotic thing only a child can come up because i hated it i hated it and so i went back uh, after budapest i went back to to do high school which was even worse because we were teenagers right yes so you were were all older than the other kids and you had to do high, high school again I was older with a couple of months because I'm January mm. born. 
So it wasn't like really, but yeah, I was older in the in the class, uh, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was yet again that I was the kid from the TV. Oh, okay. And you God. know, people. <laughs> it's so weird. People. It's it's. It seems you know, like he would be all po- the popular kid because of that. Well, I was popular too. So this is this is really weird because it's. So because of my personality, I could always manage to float on the top of this river of shit. Right. But, and, and in fact, this is, this is, I really wanted to tell you this tonight, that um, I think this kind of thing saved my life because, because of where I'm from and my mentality and everything I'm passionate about and everything I read made me create this world inside my head. Right. And one of a close friend in high school told me once something I will never forget that it's so weird, man, because you look, but you don't see this shit. You see something like that the sun is coming up and the leaves are falling and everything is beautiful. And she was right. And and that in that moment I realized, probably first time in my life, how lucky I was for this. Mm-hmm. Because the TV wasn't like, you know, all the time fun either. Right. But I had no idea what happened behind the you know, the scenes, because I was just so engulfed in my own world and in my own universe. Mm. I I always had things important to me, and that was just it. And that's it, basically. So, okay, so eventually the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the film or the, the TV work ended, your act, you quit your acting career. And then did you kind of go into? Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Okay. I didn't. I, no, I didn't. And, and actually, I forgot to tell you something very important that. Um, so for, I was 14 years old when I directed my first horror film. And I really wanted to tell this to Chad Czar. Awesome. <laughs> uh, it's, this film is up there on YouTube. It's called Batsheen. It's obviously Hungarian, so nobody will understand. Okay, how, 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 do you pronounce, how do you spell that? Bet is like Bet, and Sheen is like Charlie Sheen because okay. I really like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Bet Sheen. I just gave, I just gave this name, man. Like, you, yeah. <laughs> so you you made this film when you were fourteen. So basically, what happened is that I wrote the screenplay with my sister, which basically entailed that uh, I was telling her what to write, and she was writing because I hate writing. Uh-huh. Okay. And Betty, uh, my sister, who I love dearly, um, she's a super like spiritual person as well, by the way. And um, we just had so much fun when we were kids and we wrote this screenplay and I presented this to the director of the the television show and uh, Vera, uh, the director, she always like really loved my ambition and uh, you know she really loved that for example while the rest of the kids you know were buying uh, ice cream and everything was like having fun i didn't spend my money because i was making a film that summer ah. and i was saving all my money i didn't eat or anything i was <clears throat> buying masks and 
decent. What did, what did you shoot it on? Was it on video? Uh, basically, first I did it with uh, like this old VHS uh, cam recorder. Right, the big one you put on your shoulder? No, no, it was like a smaller one. Okay. Um, later. Uh, it was one. It, it still had like a normal VHS tape inside, but it was smaller, not the big one. Okay, okay. But but mm -hmm. after I presented the screenplay to Vera, Vera was like, "Okay, I give you four days and the resources. Make this film." Wow, that's amazing. And then it became a film with a TV crew. Really? <laughs> and I had people. My deal. And you were fourteen. 14 years old. Of <laughs> directing course, of course, Listen, chat. Vera was always in the background, you know, so she never left me, you know, alone. That's listen, amazing. The very first time when we shot the first scene, my DOP was Peter Sotmari, an award winning DOP wow. who shot super famous Hungarian films. Amazing. What an and opportunity. Was, yeah, it was amazing. I really enjoyed myself. However, when the very first scene was shot, I remember I came up with this um, angle that we were, there was like this like spiral staircase and two characters were having a conversation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was shooting it from down below. Now, the guy with the boom microphone <clears throat> couldn't really like, it was very uncomfortable for him to like hold it that high, mm -hmm. you know, so we can hear what those people are, you know, talking about. And the boom microphone came in the frame uh, and scene was over. I was like, okay, cut. Very good. Let's do it again. Because the microphone came into the frame and Vera was like, you don't say why you repeat a take. You just say you repeat a take. The guy with the boom microphone wanted to kill me. <laughs> He was looking at me. Oh my god! You learned the hard yeah. way. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, it was super, super exciting. I was very proud. Unfortunately, the film doesn't have a real story because we only had four days. Right. And basically, what we've done is that we picked important beats out of the screenplay, and that's what we shot. And in the end, there uh, is this like big fight, everyone in makeup and like, you know, masks. And and then after uh, that, uh, we were receiving the letters from parents and everything, you know, the complaining letters a week later from <laughs> everyone in the country that how dare we? Can you imagine? Oh we my God. Kids. Yeah, I right. Was, I was a vampire, 14 years old, <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> that sounds like something I would have made when I was 14. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. I'll send you a picture. I want to look it up on YouTube. You have to see this. You have to see <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wow. with a gun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, how did, you, how, how did you get into fine art then from this point? Why, how, so, come, how come you didn't go yeah. on to filmmaking or special effects or... How did you, you wind up here? Uh, special effects, I didn't go uh, to, uh, you know, special effects is, I, I guess it's still something I didn't forgive myself because. Now you'd made the right choice. I'm just curious why. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. And and by the way, you know, chat, like, you know, listen, okay, let's not talk about that, but I'll tell you later. What <laughs> I wanted to say is that basically special effects, I didn't go to because 
nobody knew uh, Hungary what special effects were uh, apart from Ivan. And yeah, I bet it was really was hard a, to get materials or anything like that in Hungary. I, too. I listen, Chad. I didn't even know there are those right. in existence. So when I'm listening to you guys, when Norman Cabrera and you know Steve and all these people saying that, yeah, I was reading famous monsters and everything, and well, good for you <laughs> because. There was nothing in right. Hungary as this. There was nothing. I was probably 19 years old when Fongoria started to be released in Hungary wow. for four months. Wow. And then it folded. Huh. Uh, so. <clears throat> yeah, we, we took it for granted. Sure. You take it for granted when it's all around you. You know, you don't appreciate how unusual it is to have access to those materials being in well, america and especially in la you know i i don't want to uh you know you may be right i'm not going to agree with you because i know people who didn't have access to this and yet they are in special effects right all i know is my life took me in a different direction because you know i was doing the tv thing then i started to work in com commercials and movies and after i finished high school I uh, started to work in one of the biggest musical theaters in Hungary called Madach Theater. Mm. And I was there for pretty much three and a half years, working my ass off. And it was an enjoyable experience. I worked in other theaters as well with, you know, some of my most favorite Hungarian actors and people I really look up to. Those weren't always positive experiences, unfortunately, uh, but I understand why. Mm. Um, my biggest disappointment was in this entire thing, and I heard you talk about this before, not exactly the same way about special effects, but kind of, that I always wanted to, I, I was an idealist. I still am. Jesus Christ. I'm like, I'm a wandering idiot in this world. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to do art. I just want to create art. And I want the art to tell the story and blah, 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 blah. And this is not how it is right. in theater. It's not how it is anywhere. It's mm. intrigues. It's politics. It's who you are drinking the beer in the, buf in the buffet and who you know, and etc. Yeah. And uh, I got really disillusioned uh, and very sad. And, you know, someone told me that, listen, if a duck cannot swim in the lake, whose fault is that the ducks or the lakes? Right. And, you know, they have a point yeah. there. <clears throat> and so basically what happened in a nutshell is that at the end of my um, theater career in Hungary, two things happened. I picked up art again. I started to draw. I had an exhibition as well. Hmm. And then people connected with my work. Obviously, my work was completely different and it was absolute shit. But um, I also finished a screenplay called The Door. Hmm. And it was about you know, um, a Hungarian reality film, kind of, but in, um, 
you know, not long before I wrote the screenplay, I, I saw this film called uh, Pie by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, like, re- so when I saw that film, I was like, the films like this can be made. Right. And they can be shown in cinemas. Mm-hmm. And that completely blew me away because, you know, I, I'm sure you saw the film. Oh, like, yeah, it's great. So sad and, like, so emotionally demanding and like just a, a horrible ride. And then Aronofsky's next film, Requiem for a Dream, Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. I've only seen that film once and I still remember every detail. Yeah, However, it's a great film. <clears throat> I wrote this screenplay about um, a Hungarian uh, young guy, 20 whatever something, who wanted to do something, but he cannot do it because resources and simply reality doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that he lives alone in this like very small flat and he wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees this, you know, when, the, when it's completely dark in the room and you switch the light on in the other room and you see the frame, yeah. mm-hmm. the, the light in the frame. Yep. Now he wakes up and he sees that light the first night. And then the second night he, he hears like steps and voices and he never dares to open the door. Mm. And at the same time, you know, he's working in like whatever McDonald's or something. He lives this shitty life, but he still believes and tries. Mm-hmm. And a long story cut short, in the end of the story, basically what happens is it's an ambiguous ending because he kind of falls into a, um, a, a psychedelic coma. Mm. So he quits this reality and people who knew him and loved him are sad. So that is the sad part of the story. But him inside his head dreams a happy life. Mm. Wow. And that was the end of the film. And that's cool. The screen, screenplay was a huge success, and um, <clears throat> many of my like f- really established actor friends told me that you know I- I'm going to take part in this for completely free. Just let's get the funding and etc. And I tried to get the funding and everything, but it's so I c- I can't do this. Chat, I, I, it's um, so filthy uh, this world, and and. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. Like uh, that—that that was one of my major disappointments in in myself. That that there's there are some stuff I just can't do. Right. And uh, so I decided that I'm going to leave Hungary because um, I was doing like thirty-five performances in one month, and I got like two hundred and thirty dollars for it. Wow. <laughs> Uh, it was a different, different time, a different world. And so I was like, I, I still remember the day when I went up there to the theater office and I was like, uh, thank you so much. I don't want my contract to be extended. And that was it. And one month later, I left Hungary and another horrible, <laughs> horrible journey started. <laughs> Just a series of horrible journeys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <because laughs> <laughs> 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 
This better have a happy ending. (laughs) You better be happy where you're at. So there's a happy ending to this story. (laughs) So So, I had no idea. I had no idea. So you went, where did you go from there? I went to Dublin first. Oh, cool. I went to Dublin and uh, had, uh, listen, just as the theater experience, it wasn't without its merits and happy you know, experiences. And I must say, I met absolutely incredible people who to this very day treasure very much. Mm-hmm. And that what basically happened is that I started to work in my very first civilian job. So up until that point, I was an artist. Mm-hmm. And then I started to wash uh, shit and vomit off from club walls, you know, oh. toilet walls. Nice. <laughs> and, yeah. it's, it, have, you, have you been into Ireland? No, I've always wanted to go. I've got Irish blood in me, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you told me. Yeah. Uh, you don't drink, do you? Not really. Socially, Good. once in a while, but. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, the Irish drink, in a way, especially young people, especially young women, <clears> in a way that I would probably fighting for my life by the end of that uh, night. Yeah. No, so my, my, my grandfather was hardcore drinker, man. He was a total alcoholic. Unreal. Yeah. And it's whatever they see in front of them. And obviously, I don't mean to generalize here, uh, right. but I'm sure there are exceptions. Is that a big enough lighter? Yeah, I'll never yeah. lose it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I started to work for these nightclubs, and then I uh, started uh, working as security supervisor in uh, one of the biggest shopping centers in Europe, and that was really good money. Hmm. And what happened is in two years' time, I managed to purchase the equipment for the film. Oh, wow. I purchased the professional HD television camera, Sony HBR Z1U, a tripod, you know, lights, everything, everything. And had, as they, you know, people say, um, God had their own ideas mm-hmm. because um, I just. This is, this is, to be fair, uh, probably that part of my life I'm the least proud of because I just completely lost focus. Mm. I uh, started to, you know, I went into the 20s and I was earning really good money and I was drinking and, you know, taking drugs and everything. And uh, I don't know what happened. Like You just got off track. I just started like working and you know, when you kind of like settle, it's awful to think about. And like those feats I had sometimes, like, because I became very um, emotionally unstable, you know, from all the stuff I was taking and Mm. everything. And like, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I am totally in control in my emotional state. Anybody can tell you that Sally, my partner can tell you that like, I'm, I don't lose my cool. Right. If I very, very rarely, very rarely, I don't know what has to happen. But back then, I, I like I could break stuff and everything. And wow. and and this might not be big thing for some, but it's a big thing for me. Right. And I was like, this cannot continue. And so I decided that uh, I'm gonna go to London. And this was back in 2008. 
and I, you know, collected all my stuff and my money I had and, uh, you know, resigned my job and uh, I came to London and mm. had, so London, London is, oh, London, oh my God. So London, when people asking me, so what do you think about London? I always say London is like this most beautiful, gorgeous, attractive girl who later on in the night, you learn, is a prostitute. Uh. And she starts to hit on you, stroke your face and do the lap dance and like entice and everything. But you never will have enough money to afford her. <laughs> so you walk out unsatisfied and like, oh, okay, I'm like just my hands up, you know. Right. London is... <sighs> I don't. I don't even know what to say. It's just like a big balloon. <laughs> <A big laughs> it's what? propaganda balloon. Yeah, it's it's just propaganda. It's like you know when they say that you know Los Angeles, New York, London, Tokyo, <laughs> London, my ass, well, Jesus I, Christ. I feel the same way about LA. It's it's kind of like when you uh, you know, of course, wherever you go, there's going to be great aspects of it and bad aspects of it, but. You know, LA is not all it's cracked up to be either. Yeah, if you if you go down to Hollywood Boulevard and think you're gonna see the amazing Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard is like a shithole, man. It's such, yeah, a, yeah. It's such a dump. We know the, we know, the, we the, the, the sidewalks are so disgustingly <laughs> dirty, and there's those we weird see. weird guys with the cost with the costumes, you know, yeah. trying to get you to take a picture. It's like it's 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 a it's kind of a hellhole, but um. I, I was in, I had a show in London and. Uh, Whitechapel. Whitechapel. What's that? Whitechapel. You, you had right. it in Whitechapel, yeah. Whitechapel District, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked it there, but I didn't, I wasn't there that long. Um, I'm, I, I like, <clears throat> I like English things. I like a lot of English, like, Bands, of course, and and films yeah, too, and, and, and uh, the Monty Python and all that stuff. I'm into it, but um, I haven't yeah, lived but there. Chet, Chet, so sorry for stopping you right there. That's not England anymore. <laughs> right. right, that's not England anymore. Uh, the English people do not understand irony anymore. Huh. In fact, what's crazy, and this had I don't know if I should say this or not, but man, I'm just gonna go ahead and say what. The most surprising to me in London is that, as I told you, back in Dublin, I met these incredible people with this super diverse background, and, and we could have great conversations, and it was just very influential. It was like really flowing and stuff. Uh -huh. Here in London, people wear ignorance like a badge of honor and and i just don't understand that there is a super um high level of obismal stupidity and they are proud of it sounds like america <laughs> uh, fair enough. okay touché. It's, listen, the uh, world the listen, world is, I, I, is going through a weird time right now very, it's, it's, very much so. There's, it's yeah. a strange time, and it seems like 
I don't even know. It's just kind of chaos and a lot of open stupidity everywhere. But I just, I just, and I really, so Chad, I, I just want to understand that when you're swimming in the middle of the ocean and you look around and you don't see any, any sign of land anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, oh, look, a boat is approaching. A huge ship, in fact. I might be saved. And then you turn around and start to swim the other direction. Right. And that's what, this is how I would describe that insanity, what you just right. mentioned, right. like projecting it to the world. Mm-hmm. People, us, Mankind in general, we exactly know what is that needs to be done right. to better our situation. Yeah. And yet we don't do it. And we refuse to do it oh, over and over. Yeah. It's the. And nothing is going to happen. Absolutely nothing. I'm you telling know, you. I, you know what's weird is that so often you look like my younger son. <laughs> when, when you're talking it's like certain uh-huh. times you turn your head you look just like fritz it's so weird I've, i was trying to get a screen grab of it but i don't know if i got it's it it's really weird chad because someone told me once that uh, my eyes and your eyes like was, when my our nose is like I, very like similar i was gonna say the same thing because i look my son looks exactly like i did when i was younger uh-huh. and, and i was like it, it kind of it's like it's weird because it's like this guy that looks like my kid and me when I was young, but he's got this weird accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll it's take that. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so let let's get on to let's get to the art. Now, what what yeah, what? Yeah. This is obviously this has all been fuel for your artwork because you are you know you do creative stuff and dark stuff. So I'm, I'm sure your life experience has kind of developed into what you're creating now. So how did you get started with all of the, the fine art? So, well, the fine art, um, cause that's your primary focus right now. It, it is, it is, but like, it's really, uh, weird because I'm still like hesitant to call it fine art. I mean, uh, uh, many of your previous guests said that, um, you know, they hesitate to call themselves artists. I'm one of those people okay. and yeah, well, you can call this, um, the, what do you call it? What, what do you call it yourself? I'm, I mean, I'm just calling I'm an illustrator. Oh, okay. I'm an illustrator. Okay. Yeah. This is yeah. What I'm, we, we, I'm an illustrator. I draw for a living. Right. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, semantics, I think really, you know, I, I guess so. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not about the word. It's about what I associate the word with. Right. And I feel that I'm unworthy. That's not true. Uh, I don't it's, think that's it's, true. I, I don't know. Ah, you know, I'm really, I'm really appreciating everyone when they tell me this and i knew that we're gonna get to this point uh, in our conversation today uh sally all the time you know bullies me because of this because <laughs> it happened it, no, it, seriously man it happened many times that we were doing a show for example like monster palooza mm-hmm. and i see someone like howard berger for example okay or you or ellen ellen williams right and i have the initial bravery or courage to say like, Hey, Hey, what's up? And I invite them to the table and then I take them away from the table. And Sally's like, what the fuck are you doing? And why are you taking them away? Because 
I, ah, man, I just don't want them to, I want them to look at it, but at the same time, I don't want them to look at it. It's so weird. Like, uh, I'm just afraid, you know, I guess. Right. It's not, yeah, it sounds like it's, it's, it's your own hang up. I guess so. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'm so much better at it, though. I'm yeah. so much. Better it'll, it'll, it'll get better as time goes. You know, it, it'll it'll get better. Um, I I I never thought of you as like just an illustrator, or you know, it's like I I just I always thought of you as an artist. That's it. Thank you. you know, I, I, really I mean, and it's it. and I, I don't re- I just I don't really um, separate the two because you know some of my favorite artists are are people that were known for being illustrators like Frank Frazetta and and. Um, Norman Rockwell and you know all these well amaz- yeah amazing just those people had real talent <laughs> you know like <laughs> that, that's that's absolutely unbelievable and that that is the thing you see Chad that you know going back to my um, heritage and where I'm coming from right. is that uh, I don't understand what's happening I mean this year I made it into Spectrum. Two of my works, two of my works, in fact, made it into Spectrum. And congratulations. I thank you so much. And I I was waiting for the follow up email for two weeks after that to them to tell me that, oh, sorry, man, that was a misunderstanding. We just like (laughs) send you the wrong email or something because I just can't believe what's going on. You know, the beginning of this this year, I was working for uh, Chris Nelson. And Vincent Van Dyke, you know, I was oh, doing wow. some designs. Yeah, they're great. Film and great, great and oh, lovely, lovely people, lovely people. I really love working for them, and hopefully I, I will be able to in the future. But once again, it's like, because you mentioned that, you know, it's your hang up in your head, and you're absolutely right. But I mean, I'm as I told you, I'm so much better at it because I'm at least talking to these people right. now. Yeah, yeah. You just uh, got to, rem- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just being, I'm being the fatherly person when I probably shouldn't be. I always do that. I, 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 I can't, you know, I'm a father, so I'm always giving fatherly advice when it's not asked for. (laughs) I just, I was just going to say, you just have to, I think you, you just have to, those thoughts will come up and you just have to just be like, okay, that's just, that's my hang up. So I'm not going to yeah. pay attention to it. And eventually it will change naturally. It'll change naturally yeah. because, you know, you, you, you're talented. Your artwork's great. People will continue to tell you the truth about your work, that, you, that you're valid, that you're good. And you just got to remember, oh, okay, that's just my, my bullshit coming up again. And then you just kind of let it go. That's it. And it'll just it's, naturally kind of change, I think. You know, what, you know what's weird? That... Um, uh, Chet, and let me ask you something. Do you get the voices in your head when you're working trying to tell you that you won't be able to pull through? Oh yeah, for sure. I think every right. I think every artist does. We talked about this even on the I don't know if you heard the Jordu um podcast, Jordu show. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, yeah. Of that, course. I mean Love he Jordu. talked about that whole imposter syndrome. <laughs> even he yeah. thinks, even he feels that way. And he's like amazing right and and yeah i was yeah i was you like know, jesus christ yeah, yeah, yeah. brahm was talking about you know <laughs> brahm is the king and it's like he was talking about doubting himself and feeling wondering if he's not a, not relevant anymore and it's like we all have these this is like a common artist yeah, but, thing chet let me ask you then something else because i really want to know this mm-hmm. 
if it's true, and I know you're telling the truth, how is that possible that you are pushing pieces out of yourself like a goddamn machine gun, one after another, like like this? How? How? Because before you answer, before you answer, let me tell you this. It takes it take this takes my toll on me. So I I would not would never say that you know what I do is not fun. Of course it's fun. I love doing it. But for me, after all these years, it's never easier to do this. Never easier. And whenever I sit down to this table and trying to do something, the voices in my head are fighting against every single pencil stroke I make. So I- when I do something and finish, mm-hmm. I need to rest. Right. I cannot just start another. I don't know how Ellen does it. Ellen is like, what's wrong with Ellen? Ellen Williams... <laughs> you know five pieces five pieces yeah i mean that that just that that might just be your working style everybody's got a different working style um how long have you been how long have you been doing this where it's like professionally i'm doing this i'm doing this illustration art whatever you want to call it how long has it been so uh, let's go back to uh, to this then. Uh, so basically what happened is that I was in London living the life and my life turned into this nightmare where I was working in retail and I came home, took a shower, ate something, went to sleep, went to work, came home, ate something, went to sleep. I was like, okay, this has to end. So in 2012, I collected all my money again. And without any purpose, I decided I'm going to leave London. I put my remaining stuff into a storage room and went traveling around Europe. Mm -hmm. I was doing that for seven months. It was one of the most influential, happiest, inspiring seven months of my life. And that is another podcast worth of stuff. I was sleeping with, um, you know, uh, street kids sometimes, you know, on the street because I couldn't book a hostel or something. Meeting absolutely amazing, ingenious people, and not once I've been robbed or harassed or anything. The world is a beautiful place. I always had food. I always had weed. Sometimes, you know, got people throw weed at me and everything. <laughs> Very generous, right. a beautiful, full experience. However, and this is where you're, I'm going to answer your question. I had a sketchbook with me, but one thing I always was missing. And that was being able to sit down somewhere, do the research and create the work. Right. So after that seven months, I had a couple of like collectibles and everything because at that point I spent all my money I had, which wasn't a lot. And I, uh, you know, sold my collectibles. So I had enough money to come back to London. I was living at France, uh, you know, like moving every two weeks for like nine months. Mm-hmm. That's another very uh, huge adventure. And I, whenever I had money, I bought my very first own drawing table Mm. and I started to do the work. And that was 
the end of 2012, beginning of 2013, and since then, um, I'm, it still was doing like odd jobs and everything, but like focusing on this. And basically, what happened? This is also a major shift. Sorry, because I'm talking so much, but no, no problem. Um, before I left to the seven months, you know, trip before I left London, mm-hmm. I was doing this like digital painting and everything. I wanted to get into concept art and absolutely no chance absolutely no chance i mean have you seen these like 19 year old kids yeah using photoshop like they tearing photoshop another hole in front of your very eyes it's absolutely under and now gnome workshop and uh, the talent is oh, oh, oh my god like unbelievable yeah so i try to compete against those people absolutely no chance I, I had my first computer when I was 21 years old. And then basically after I came back from the trip, I started to do traditional, me- uh, or traditional media. Mm. And I stopped doing stuff for anybody else, but I started doing stuff I wanted to do and stuff I wanted to say. And then everything changed. Wow. In like three years. Wow. Well, th- that's one thing I guess I-, I wanted to say is as far as the voices and, and the struggle, the difficulty, um, <clears throat> you haven't been doing it that long, really. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's part of why I think you're having this problem. Um, and it, it, uh, cause I'm trying to think, you know, I didn't, I remember I got to around, let me see, I started paint. I decided I was going to be a painter or a fine artist or whatever, 2000. And mm-hmm. then the first few years I was doing digital stuff and kind of finding out what the hell was going on. I hit my stride around 2005 where I started getting like a, a, um, uh, a style, you know, yeah. and doing the monster portrait thing. But it wasn't until I think around... 2012 or 2013 whenever the ego death show was that was the first show where i was like i felt like okay i know what i'm doing uh-huh you know uh-huh. what i mean like yeah. like i yeah. jumped up a level with my technical ability so that's you know you're talking 13 years really yeah. to get to this yeah. point of busting my ass to where i was like okay this is getting easier i i, I get it now I, and even from that point i've i've gone up levels since to where i felt like oh i i really know what i'm doing (laughs) you know like every show oh i i know i start off like oh this is great and then the middle of the show i'm painting for it i'm like i don't know what the hell i'm doing this is terrible yeah i'm not going to be able to finish it sucks i'm a fraud this is bullshit and then I pull yeah. it together at the end, and it's like, oh, yeah. You love those moments when you want to just blow your brains out. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, part of it is, is a time thing. You just got to put the time in, and, and the more you do it, the easier it's going to get, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing it all the time. I've been doing it all, all the time for, like, 15 years as well, just, as you said, not professionally. Right. But, and, but, but you that's, know, if, I, if, hmm. if you would allow me an observation about your work yeah. as well, uh, okay. Chet, that you found something, this monster portrait thing, a, a, a Nietzsche, you carved yourself out this Nietzsche thing, right. which is absolutely fantastic. And you're obviously very much in, in home with it. And it's a beautiful work. For me, 
my biggest like struggle and and challenge in this is that you probably saw my work uh, and i do these monsters and then i do this like beauty with mm. monsters or like dark stuff and everything and i cannot live without one or the other mm -hmm. I need them both. When I start to draw monsters all the time, I get bored. I need to go back to the beauty stuff. And when I do the beauty stuff, I need to get bored. Right. need to go back to the monsters. That's, that's good. That's great. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's good. Uh, it's, uh, if it's, 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 if it's what keeps you going, if it's what inspires yeah. you, it's good. It definitely inspires me. Yeah, you know, you, 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 I, I just thought it was very, very telling and very interesting that you said when you started doing your own work is when it started clicking for you, and, yeah, and that is that's you know that's that's an artist, that's an artist, that's a real artist. When you start doing your own work and things start to click for you, that means you're legit. You're an artist because if you're not doing what you're passionate about then it's like you're just going through the motions you know you're not going to get that amazing inspiration and just be so into what you're doing because you're doing something that you're not feeling inside and and so much of art is about connecting with what you're doing and just thinking like what you're working on right now is the most amazing thing in the world and you don't want to be working on anything else because this is the whole reason you've been put on earth is to make this drawing or this painting or whatever you know yeah, so yeah. I, I just, I'm such a big believer in following your artistic impulse without question. You know, oh my God, like you see how beautiful you are, man. Like, um, I'm very happy that you said this now because what's crazy is that this is not how I see it, you know, is, is, is really weird because Oh man, I wish I saw it this way, but like, you know, I, I, I think I approach it from this like realistic Hungarian approach and don't get me wrong, Chet. I, I, I don't only believe, I know that we are all channeling something. Mm -hmm. I know it. Yeah. I know it. It's, it's, it's knowledge. Right. But you know, I'm not like see it in this like happy way. I don't know how to describe it. Like you, what, what you said was so inspirational and like, oh my God and everything. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, you know. I, my, but I don't want to, I don't want to paint a picture of me that, you know, so once again, I'm, I really enjoy what I'm doing. And when I finish something, I'm struggling with right now, I'm struggling with a piece mm -hmm. like a lot so much so that when I'm distressed, my back is like gets blocky and I have this pain, you know, back pain. So I need to stop. But when I finished something I was struggling with, there's no better feeling. Right. Than that. That's the high, no that's the high we're going uh -huh. for, you know, that's what, yeah, it is the best feeling. And then, and then the opposite, when you can't get it to work, ah, it makes you want to fucking kill someone it makes you crazy it makes you f so frustrating but but you're we're always you know it's such a good feeling to to get it you know to win the game every Absolutely. every you know yeah. every piece is like you're playing this game and the, and if and if you and if you make a great piece at the end you won the game 
or it's like a puzzle yeah. game. You know, if you can figure out how to put the puzzle together, absolutely, you, you win the absolutely. game. But I, yeah. I, I was uh, going to say that, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, what was I going to say? I completely spaced it. Um, uh, Can I just ask you something? <laughs> why, why you yes. Because it's gone. I, I, it's I, gone. I, <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Shit. It's sorry. not your fault. I, no, I just, I just really, I really want, want to ask you, like, when you're working on a new piece, any piece, mm. what is the hardest part in you know, the process? To me, it is the easiest part is the, the kind of the easiest and most fun part is coming up with the idea, sketching it, um, <clears throat> figuring it out, playing around with the elements of figuring them out, and then starting the piece is fun and kind of easy. And then the whole part where you're working on it in between is kind of the hell part. And then sometimes the end, if it comes together easily, it's like, that's fine. But a lot of times the end is the hardest part for me because you don't know when to stop. You don't, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to over detail every single thing. You know, you want it to be kind of loose and it's so, so that is, that is fucking fascinating, man. What you just said. Wow. I am the exact opposite, man. Really? <laughs> I hate the sketching. I hate the layout. Is is I'm I'm not doing so this is very important when it comes to my work. I'm not I I love those artists who are just sit down, you know, start to sketch, come up with an idea, and then they execute that idea. Right. That's not how it works. How do you do work. it? How do you do it? I have an idea in my head. Mm -hmm. I have an image in my head. And then I start to lay that do a layout you mm -hmm. know refining the composition mm -hmm. do the research reference if it's required etc etc then i compose that on uh, uh, sorry not compose it but draw it on different pieces of paper and compose it on one sheet of marker paper right and then when i'm satisfied sometimes i take it into photoshop sometimes you know this and that refining blah 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 and if i'm happy with that I either use that, what I drew, or print it out if it's in the computer, mm. and then I trace it to cotton reg, because mm -hmm. that's what I'm usually work, working on, uh, BFK Rives or uh, Stonehenge are my favorite papers, and start to work on that. And from then on, I'm safe. Really? The labor, I fucking love the labor. I love the labor. <laughs> I love I, I when I'm lost, when I'm lost, I don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. lost, and I still can come up with new ideas, which I do. Right, but I'm already in the flow. Yeah, I'm coming yeah. home. Yeah. just sit down to the table. Everything is done, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I do. Uh, I I enjoy the process of creating. You know. Mm -hmm. The part in the middle that's difficult for me is <clears throat> I think when it gets to like, I don't know where it's not quite there. It's, it's, it's pretty good, but it's mm -hmm. not quite there. So maybe like the last, I don't know, like the middle to the last, like last 75% is kind of a pain. I don't know. It's like, I, 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 I strive though to get to that point 
that you're talking about though, because I do yeah. enjoy, I love to paint. I love it. It's, you know, my favorite thing to do paint or sculpt. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> it's, it's the, what screws me up is when I'm not sure what it needs. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Cause it's, yeah, that happens to me too. Yeah. And, and that happens a lot in paintings for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I do better overall when I have, when I've done, um, my research and I have a good study to work from because I can always refer to this study or series of studies. Um, and so I'm always striving to get in that zone to where I'm not thinking and I'm just doing it. Cause that's the most fun part. It's, it's, it's as fun as the finishing to me when you finish it, that satisfaction, just getting where you're in the moment and just, you know, I usually put a documentary on or listening to the music or whatever. And it's just, and I'm all alone. It's so much fun. I just love it. I love it. I love it more than anything. Oh, I love it when you stand up from next to the table or the easel and you started 11 o'clock and it's 7.30 in the evening right. and you're like, what <laughs> the fuck? You know, and that's, that's why actually, that is why nothing gets done in our household because. Same here. <laughs> it's just like. It just takes so much, so many hours away from your life. I know. That's like my house is falling apart because, you know, I could probably make at least 50% of the repairs that I need to on my house, but it's like I am constantly doing this. Partially, partially because, mostly because I have to keep bringing money in. That's the main thing. But also, it's just like, it's all I want to do. So it's really hard to pull me away from the studio and just do regular things. It's, it's almost like I have to <clears throat> make myself do it just to be a more balanced person. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I just don't feel, you know, I don't feel the need to like keep things clean in the studio or anything. It's like when I'm on a piece, yeah. I'm just completely focused. A mess builds up around me and I don't give a shit. I think normal people probably when things get, a little messy that they they have a feeling like oh i need to clean that up it's bugging me it doesn't bug me which is kind of a Uh, uh it's a problem because it needs to get really bad for it to bug me like i have a real high tolerance (laughs) for messes (laughs) and it's because i've always been like that since i was a kid so it has to get this show i want to see your studio oh yeah yeah. i actually i i well you can kind of see my office is pretty bad right now but um it's the office. It's, not is, it's it's about at at a point where I'm about to clean it. But um, I just had Dos Diablos and his uh, girlfriend over the other day, so um, I cl- I did clean up a little bit in the in the studio. But it, it's I just have a high higher tolerance for being a, a slob, I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I wish I, I didn't. I, I wish say, it bothered I me so say, I could stay organized. But I just I, it's really hard for me to do. It happens to me after I finish the piece. Uh, I I I have to clean uh, because so we live in a flat and uh, basically my studio here is that half of the living room, you know, okay. which I separated with this bookshelf here behind me. Oh, and okay. oh, yeah, Jesus Christ, there's just so much stuff in here, like you wouldn't even believe, and like you know my work and frames and like you know my stuff. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Our whole- stuff and everything and and you know i make a mess as well and 
I, I need to do something about it because I just don't feel comfortable to start a new piece. Right. Yeah. Do For you, do you know uh, Bill Stout, William Stout, the illustrator? Amazing. Yeah. 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 Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I was able to go and visit him. A mutual wow. friend introduced me. He actually doesn't live that far from me. Um, wow, and man. I went to his house. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I went Jesus to his. Christ. I went to his house. And there Stop. were. I went to his house. He's got a nice house, like a, a cool, cool, cool old house. And mm-hmm. there were fucking paintings, like you know, this thick out from the wall in his living room. Everywhere you looked, there was just amazing, amazing, amazing paintings. They weren't just like. You know, he started one and stopped it or scribbles or they were like these amazing finished pieces. This dude has just cranked out so much work and all these different styles, too, which is really interesting. If you get uh, he just came out with a book that's kind of mind blowing because he does all these different styles. He does like cartoony style, does pen and ink, watercolor, realistic oil painting, you know, monster stuff. It's unbelievable. Now, those artists chat yeah those artists yeah and i think we talked about this when when we were having pizza uh, you remember when we were at uh Posadena back mm-hmm. in the day in may that um when people especially art directors like i hear you know when there is like a talk show or a talk or something and they're telling these young people that you know what our directors are looking for and mm-hmm. you have to have a consistent style and you know blah blah, blah. it infuriates me so much man infuriates me because i'm i'm, I'm not saying it's untrue i'm not mm-hmm. saying i'm not i'm not di- despiting that and these people who are saying this probably having more experience than i do and I, I will be the first one to admit it. However, you cannot tell this to these young people. You cannot tell this to these young people. And do you know why? Because there are people who made it with these like different many styles. Right, right. Dave McQueen, uh, uh, Dave McKean, you mm-hmm. know, Stout, uh, uh, James, James Jean, I can't speak. James Jean, right. you know, so many, so many people, so many artists who are not just painting horses for 25 years because that's what the art directors want. They do a little bit of this, they do a little bit of that. And of course, there has to be a certain kind of consistency in style, in atmosphere, in aesthetics, I -hmm. would say, Mm -hmm. much rather. But I just don't believe in this. To me, being an artist or being being a creative person, which I'm striving to be because I don't think I am one, <laughs> is is searching and um, fulfilling that potential right. that you keep doing different things. And whenever you put that pencil to the paper, you absolutely have no idea if you will be able to pull it off or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. That's, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's, a, a, that's a big part of being an artist is exploring. Like you're an yeah. explorer and you always have yeah. to be digging deeper, especially that's what, one of the things I love about this is, you know, this is, this could be true about any aspect of art, I think, now that I think about it. But I love this about fine art to where it's purely art for, for the sake of doing it. 
um, and surrealist kind of the kind of dark art and surrealism and stuff mm -hmm. is that you should constantly be digging deeper with within yourself because it's an endless it goes endlessly goes in like there's no yeah. stopping point it's not like you hit a point and you're like okay i'm done digging into my psyche it's never going to end you know yeah. the deeper you go so there's always going to be new territory to explore and um you know if you're not if you're not exploring new territory i know for myself i feel like if i'm not trying new things that i feel like what is it's it not as for? it's not as yeah it's not as fun it's like what's the yeah. point if i'm not learning still and i'm not discovering new things about myself and exploring new areas and trying to come up with something that that you know hasn't been done before or at least that i haven't done or that i haven't seen you know that's the magic of it when when people asking me on shows you know about my work and you know that these like aspiring young people you know coming to me and asking me like oh, i love your work and how to do this and how to do that i always say that draw something every day you absolutely have no idea how to draw right yeah that's a, that's great advice it's great it's not 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 what you know not what you know right. never what you know and i am i'm guilty at this as well because i was just telling sally actually the other week that you know social media mm -hmm. you know it, 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 social media blessing and poison yeah and, and we both know why yep. yeah exactly um but I feel it uh, being a little bit of poison now because I'm actually started to like in the last like couple of years, I, I started to conduct business on social media and it's really like going well and it's absolutely fantastic and I'm not complaining or anything. Mm -hmm. But for that, as you and Joe J said, like very adequately, you need to keep providing the content right. like Patreon, I imagine is the same and everything you need to keep on doing it and stuff. Right. And therefore, this posting, you know, routine and everything, I'm actually not experimenting as much as I experimented like one or two years ago. Right. And that like really hurts me. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position or a similar position in the sense that, you know, especially seeing younger artists um, that are doing that are doing weirder kind of more surreal type things like yeah, Dos yeah. Diablos. Everyone knows I'm a huge Dos Diablos fan. Just the way yeah, he's kind of, yeah, he's plumbing the depths and coming up with new things I haven't seen before and weird fucked up shit yeah. that to me is just like, Oh, I love that. I wish <laughs> I would have done that. Makes me want yeah. to, I, I want to um, dig deeper, you know, but it's weird because at this point in my career, I can, on one hand, I, I want to experiment more and play. On the other hand, I've got the painting thing so down that I'm also really into like efficiency. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like th that's part of the game for me too is is to do something as efficiently as possible, to create a great painting as efficiently as possible, like as efficiently yeah. and quickly, and not just for the money-making factor, not at all for the money-making factor, really. It's more more because that's that's just a fun thing for me to do. It's like, you know, before when I first started painting, it was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just going to go for it. I didn't know anything. And as time went on, 
it was like, okay, I can do this. I can get a final product that I'm happy with, but I'm not really quite sure how I'm getting there. But I do know that if uh-huh. I pick at it long enough, I can get it looking to where I'm happy. And at yeah. this, this point, it's like, okay, I, I know how to get there. I know how I consciously know how I'm doing it. So I'm trying to get more of a straight line to that, that finished piece just because that's exciting to me. Do you know, do you know this is what you just said. It remind, reminded me of something I really wanted to tell you that, that do you know what was that piece to me? Because up until that point, I only knew you as someone who works in special effects. And mm-hmm. then you started to do the painting. And I remember on DeviantArt. All right. Mm-hmm. Or the, the DeviantArt, I started to like, you know, come across your pieces. Oh, okay, that's funny. And one piece, I was like, Chet fucking czar, man. <laughs> and that was that was Lilith. Oh, cool. Thank you. The Lilith piece, man. That was the, I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a fun painting to do. That was one where, where all the way through I was like, except for the baby, because she's holding a baby. Yeah. A bundled yeah. Up baby. That the the folds. I should have photographed cloth folded up and used it for reference, but I didn't. I I insisted on making it up or I was being lazy or something. I had a little trouble on that, but I do remember that one just like came together kind of easily. Amazing. Thank you. Germa owns that piece. I just wanted to ask, is it sold? Yeah. Germa's got it. Germa got it at the bargain price, whatever it was when it was in that show. And who's Guillermo? Guillermo del Don't Toro. Yeah, I know I have this joke. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> or GDT, as they call him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Chet, uh, I, I just really wanted to talk about something else. Um, and now you, you were just talking about your processes. I uh, uh, was just thinking about it. That have you ever thought about why are you attracted to? the darkness to the, to the dark art thing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I, I've, I have a few theories. I'm not a hundred percent sure about them, but, um, I, 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 I think logically, I think that, um, I was scared a lot when I was really young. Um, I had my very, I think my very early childhood was happy. I have happy memories with my mom and stuff up to a certain age, maybe like three years old. And, and then there was major problems in my family and my parents divorced when I was five, I think. And there's kind of like this cutoff where I just, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember anything. Cause it was, I think it was all too painful and chaotic and scary. And, uh, and my grandfather used to take us, and I've said this a million times in the podcast. He used to put this, he was the mask, the mask yeah. and turn oh the lights God. off, pitch black, and chase us around with a flashlight, <laughs> and then turn the flashlight on right when he appeared right in front of us. So there's, every single the, time you tell that story, it cracks me up, man. It's like, what an evil man. It's, it's, <laughs> so there, there is that. But the thing is, there was oh. the, the, the whole time all this was going on. There were horror movies on TV, on the local stations. They would release all these cheesy B-horror movies. Um, And so those, I I stumbled across those, and they just grabbed my attention. And I think it's because I recognized the feeling they gave me, because that was the feeling I was having. That's my my whole 
feeling I was having in my family was this bad, scared feeling. And so I was kind of like somehow using these horror movies and even drawing the monsters as a form of, you know, coping with it and a form of gaining control over it, Mm -hmm. you know? Like Jordu, I think mentioned this too. It's like if I can draw the monster, then I then I'm not afraid you of it. You could control it. Yeah, yeah and yeah, and I can yeah. scare other people. So it's like I'm I'm in control now. I'm not yeah. the one being scared. And I think it's got something to do with that, really. Um, but then it took on a life of its own. I think it kind of took on a, a life of its own. It became integrated into my personality, and now it's just sort of who I am, even though I don't have that that need to fulfill anymore. You know what I mean? Well. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, but I think that need is always there because yeah, you have that child inside right now. True, that's true. Uh, so, so you you're still working on that, and the the reason I ask this because it's very interesting what you said because from the psychological point of view, everything what you said it's reactionary. So something happened to you, and this and this yeah. happened. And in my life, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that we are only uh, a collection of memories. Right. People. Yeah, right. I don't believe that. Necessarily. Uh, I, I, I believe that we are already somebody, somebodies okay. at the time we are, we are being born. And if you want no, to say something. No, I have something to add. You, I, I agree with you because the other element of this, this is, you know, that's me trying to figure it out you know yeah, this the story absolutely. of what makes and it's lo- true what's it's yeah true. it makes logical but sense you were already there right. you were already there and because in my life in my life chat nothing so i i had those like traumas as well everybody which, does we that. just discussed and everything <laughs> you know, absolutely most people do but i remember so what is weird in my life? I always so when whenever I talk about this with my sister, she's like always blown away because I have memories from an incredibly young age. I have memories of moments when I heard words for the first time. Mm, wow! I have those memories. I remember that. Right. And. Sometimes my parents are like, oh, do you remember this enough? Yeah, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I want to say is that I remember that when I was a kid and I've seen a film, a movie trailer, I was a very small child. I was like six years old or something. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the trailer for, back then I didn't know, but now I know it was the trailer for The Gate. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And how crazy is that? Did you know that that was directed by a Hungarian guy? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Gabor Tokac. I oh, think yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back then, I didn't know any of this. And I've seen that trailer. And I have this vivid memory shitting my pants, like scaring the living crap out of me. And I had nightmares for days after that. Mm-hmm. But I was hooked. And right. I wanted more. Yeah. And, and when I was a teenager, um, there, there's so many things you know, to tell. We didn't get into the details. but So I was doing drawing, you know, as I already mentioned at that time when I was a teenager. I kind of picked up because 
I re-recognize re that this can be a, a way of expressing myself, not just acting. Mm -hmm. And I started to do these like very dark images. And my family was actually worried for me. Right. Because it was all black and white, and mm -hmm. it was like black and red, and like cemeteries, and people dying, and this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, and you were attracted right. to this kind of art, and you were acted, attracted to this kind of films and everything. And everything you said is true. But I refuse to believe that that's only because right. this that's, happened to you. That's a great, great point. And, I, and now I have to add to this. That's a great point. Because I, I've all, always said also that I, it felt genetic in a weird yeah. way. Like it was just who I was. And it's kind of like, <clears throat> sometimes I think of it like <laughs> those circumstances pushed me to become who I was meant to be. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And and it's weird too because there's this lineage on my mom's side of the family of um you know a lot of weird shit like paranormal stuff and ghosts you know people mm -hmm. seeing ghosts things moving in the house and that's like in my blood kind of you know whatever you think of it it's that's in my blood and and that's also what the scary stuff uh meant to me as well it was like doing you know we used to play with a ouija board when we were kids and stuff we, we were and, mm -hmm. and it's like that feeling of fear and excitement felt like it just felt right to me yeah. something you yeah. know what i mean so it's yeah, it's almost absolutely. like it felt, it felt like home to me so so in a sense you know maybe it, maybe those maybe that all did happen just to get me to where i'm supposed to be because i i do feel like i am who i am supposed to be now as an adult mm -hmm. Like this is, yeah. it's not just some fluke. It, it depends, you know, you can look at it from different, I'm sure a psychologist would be like, you know, you had the, you had these bad experiences and you were able to, because you're a creative person, you were able to take it in a, in a direction that you were able to integrate them in a way and use it to become a successful artist with it. You know, that's. And, and chat, chat, all of that is valid. Right. Yeah, I agree. It's, and it's all, all, all of that is true. Mm -hmm. However, a, a psychologist would only approach it from one angle. Right. And life is not one angle. If anything, we could learn from, from our experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Is, totally. Is, is, is really weird because, um, you know, even if we're not talking about art is one of the things that most surprises, fascinates and kind of disappoints me in people is that, that I see how much people letting their past experiences and memories control their right. life dictate in a the, sense that they them. dictate. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Dictate certain decisions and like oh my god you have to fight that you have to fight that it's you have no idea why you don't like spinach right <laughs> or why you don't like birds maybe a pigeon attacked you when you were a child or something right you must you must refuse that first words chat words we don't even where were, did, did you ever think about that? Where words coming from when you speak? 
Yeah, no. When you're talking to your wife, where, where, where the fuck words coming from? Right. Where are thoughts where coming are from? Coming? Where are thoughts coming <laughs> well, from? Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's when you get into the core of a lot of, of spirituality, really, is what the fuck is any yeah, but, of this but, but, stuff? But, Chet, but there's an Chet, awareness but, at the base of everything. There's an awareness, a conscious awareness. But my point is, but sorry, sorry for stopping you. My point is exactly that people not giving spiritual um, importance to this. Right. They, they just exist. That's... They just exist. They, they're not... Uh, that's the core... Of every problem, I think going on today. Absolutely, honestly. absolutely. We've lost this connection with that we, spiritual thing. We are not conscious. We are not conscious. Right. We let these impulses control our lives, and it's absolutely. so dangerous. It's so dangerous, man. Grown-up people behaving like children i'm sure you've seen these videos on facebook of seeing people honking at each other you know down there on the street when they're doing this eh, uh, eh, uh, eh, uh, eh, like kids right. on the nursery school backyard it's it's we we have so much ego and we're so self-centered and we mm -hmm. are so entangled in our role in this material world that we're totally unable to comprehend anything else. Right. That's how you and know. And that's why you're in shit. Yeah, I agree. Totally. I, I really believe that that's the, that's the failure of Western culture and the world really is that, is that we've lost our connection with everything, with every, with everything that's important, everything that's real, actually everything that matters, which is that our surroundings, Right. We lost connection with our very surroundings. Yep. Where we came from. that is yep. around us. Yep. I agree. We created a life where people feel so lonely that suicide rate right. and mental issues are higher than ever. And at the, here in the 21st century, this is the best we could come up with right. seriously yeah <laughs> wow congratulations and going back to art chat and to all the listeners who like want to be artists or would like to do something else mm -hmm. i know it's a cliche i know it's a cliche but i don't know how about you chat but i've seen so many people so many people in my close circles who resigned their dreams, resigned whatever they wanted to do and married the girl or the guy they didn't love doing the job, job they hate, mm -hmm. you know, kids they didn't want the first place. It, it, this is exactly what I told you like an hour ago on the middle of the ocean there is a boat, you could be saved, and yet start to swim to the other direction. And I cannot wrap my head around it. I just can't. I just can't. Grown-up people we're talking about. Here. Yeah. Grown-up. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I think on this, like, on this, it's like, okay, it's, it's hard to talk about this stuff. On a certain level, 
we are uh humanity is sort of coming out of its adolescence you know it's like we're sort of in this spiritual adolescence you know we've gone mm-hmm. through this whole basically we're becoming adults because we're being forced to like at this point with the climate it's like the play you know the thing that we're disconnected from which is you know nature basically which is what we are and what we come from we come from the earth it's all the same shit we are being forced we're being forced to de- to deal with it and to and to realize this interconnectedness with everything because of climate change basically because we're all going to fucking die if we don't do something about it that is the spiritual <laughs> connection you know it's the same thing it's god it's whatever you want to call it Listen, Chad, uh, I, you know, it's as an artist, I agree with every word you just said, but as a person, a, a, a human being, I, I, I couldn't disagree more. And I'll tell you why. Because we're looking to the wrong direction. In the civilized world, our biggest enemy, and until we defeat this enemy, we'll not go anywhere is conviction. Okay, explain that. Let that be religious, political, or any kind of conviction. Until we're unable to listen to one another and our surroundings, the world that surrounds us. And listen, I don't dispute what you said. We're, We're ending our adolescence and like, you know, we are coming into the spiritual paradise. That's not how I see it, mm. because look look at the political mainstream politics today. Look at look at Trump. Look at Brexit. It's like we are going back. Right. Yeah. People are people are afraid. They're closing in. We are all closing in. We're all guilty at that. Right. But it's, be- it's but, not- but 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 that's the, the 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 situation we're in is a reflection of every person. I, I think that it's like. You know, every, every, the, the, okay, it's like a collective representation of what is going on inside every person. That's what's happening in the world right now. And every person right now, because of technology, because of everything we know, um, we're, we're kind of at this point where we're, we have to make a choice between kind of, moving forward and evolving into this new kind of thing, this new different way of thinking, which involves things like, oh, taking care of the planet you live on, taking care of other people, caring about other people, realizing that we're all interconnected and this is we're all in this together, and versus this kind of old, segregated, keep to myself, um, fuck everybody else, fuck the world. I'm just gonna make sure I, you know, I have enough for me and mine. I think that, but that, but but I do think that's like a spiritual problem that exists within each person. It's like the ego and the soul are battling right now in in, in, I, in people. I agree, and it's I manifesting in this fucked up way. And it's like you see it. It's like this dualistic split between people on the right and the, the left. Ne- the split never has been bigger. The split right. never has been bigger. That's that. You're absolutely right about that. However. You know, going back to this, like, you know, taking care of the planet and everything. Uh, uh, so the, 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 the only reason uh, I don't see it that way is because 
there are fanatics out there. Mm-hmm. And those people, they, they don't have a clash. And if they have a clash inside, they're hiding it very well. Is Well, they've already chosen their side. They already chosen that side. And, and the problem is that, that that is we're talking about here is a huge part of the world. Right. And we will not be able to take another step until those people will be convinced that something needs to be done. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to believe, and Jesus, that is why I create the art. That is why, that is why I create um, admissionum and reconcile. That, that is why I create these pieces. But I, I just don't see that happening until, until, uh, until we leave our convictions behind and, and, stop believing that one life worth more than another yeah. and my religion is better than yours oh, for and sure for sure technology Absolutely. and trump is the best and trump is a bastard and like it's crazy what's going on it's crazy what's going on when i'm when trump when that this gets into a conversation i'm absolutely sure that you're aware that the people who in some cases, not almost every, not everyone, of course, but in some cases, the people who are against Trump are almost as vicious as Trump himself, because they don't even notice that with their passion and impulses, they turn into the very thing they are trying yeah, to fight. Yeah, that's against. definitely happened. It's happening on, definitely happening on both sides i agree i've that's seen it happen awful. online yeah awful all sides exactly and that's what i'm uh, saying that until we calm ourselves and start to listen to one another and try to understand let that be whatever side what however dark place it's coming from we need to understand each other we are all on the same island what's the alternative right Right. Well, that's that's what I'm saying with the with the climate. It's like the climate is uh, leveling the field because everyone's. Al- although it's going to hit the, the most the poorest of people, it's affecting poor people the worst. Yeah. Like they're always getting yeah. affected. But um, unfortunately, yes. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the future holds, but um, I really do feel like I don't know. I feel, I feel like that it seems like we're, we're being pushed into making this choice of uh, evolve or die. That's what it seems like to me. A, a lot of things certainly happening. We just need to leave this idea of making a profit behind. Of making, and then everything will be fine. Making a profit? Making a profit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like abandoning our surroundings and you know destroying our fellow human beings and uh, nature it's just crazy i mean we don't seem to learn we don't seem to learn in, in where i'm from you know in south, southern eastern hungary um uh basically they um redirected the river tisa uh like i don't want to mislead you probably like 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. Or my, I'm, I'm an idiot. Much, much long, longer. 
Anyway, so they did that. And, and basically what's happening now is that we have uh, drought in like f- for a decade and everything burns out and there is no water. You know, it's really right. difficult you know, to take the water. Uh, and we're just not learning. We just, it, you know, we come up with an idea and we do something and we disregard the consequences and we unable to understand that everything we do has a consequence, right. an effect. But that's the thing. It's like with little kids, you know, the best way to learn is the hard way. Yeah. It's like, absolutely. we're, 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 we're going to learn the hard way. I guess <laughs> we're so. learning the hard way. There's no, like, I guess way I'm like just, the hard way. I, I guess I'm just, uh, you know, passionate about it because, um, you don't really want this to happen. Right. I mean, like, yeah. How could anybody want it to happen? Bloody hell! Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a deep subject. But anyway, that that is why that is why I think it's very important that we do what we do and and create. Uh, there is one thing mankind could not live without in the darkness moments in in human history, and that's art. Mm-hmm. Let that be music. Yeah. Let that be drawing, painting. We never, in the gulags, in Auschwitz, in the concentration camps, people were making music. They were drawing in the sand, etc. There are traces, drawings on the wall. Yeah. You know, it's, we need it. We need it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's essential. I mean, imagine, imagine a world without music. <laughs> I don't want. I mean, imagine I, it. It's we take it for me, granted because it's everywhere. But imagine never being able to hear music, or see yeah. artwork, or or read a book, literature. Or, yeah, literature. literature to me, or, or I could not imagine a world without literature. I, I reading is everything to these, me. Yeah, these are things that make life. I mean, worth living. You know? Yeah, I yeah, agree. We're in agreement. Art is important. The most important thing. So. I think everyone who listens to this podcast probably believes that <laughs> it's one of the most yeah, important ho- things, at least. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. That's a good place to end because we're almost at two hours. So, didn't it? Wasn't it easier? Wow. Than, wasn't it easier? Wasn't it easy? Like I said, super, super, man. We really got into it. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> I love when it gets deep. Especially it's the, the end, like, psh, psh, psh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. That was amazing. That was great. Uh, really great conversation. Such a pleasure. Yeah, it, it, and um, I, I appreciate you taking the time. It definitely got me out of my bad mood that I was talking about in the beginning. So, I'm really I, so thank you for that. Uh, I just I just want to say, Chad, uh, if you allow me, that um, and I think I'm not just talking in my name, but in other people instead of other people as well in the community. That you know, you you inspiring, and you really became this like kind of. Um, how do you say that in English? Like this beacon light, you know, uh, in the dark art community, uh, I think. Well, and you. that keep up the excellent work. It was an honor uh, to be here with you. It's super. I hope we can do this another time as well. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to have you on again. Uh, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. I'm, I've, I'm simply following my genetic imperative. Wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm following mine. I'm keep undermining the system. 
<laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support the podcast and keep it free for everyone, you can go to patreon.com slash Society and join for as little as a dollar a month, and it's greatly appreciated. Uh, I'm supporting. Yes. Right on. Thank you for yeah. doing that. Um, and I have a Patreon, too, which is patreon.com slash chetzar if you want to check that out. I'm posting all my new stuff all the time that I'm not posting anywhere else. And I guess that's it. So uh, thanks for listening. And um, thank you again, Mate, for coming on. It was excellent. Very good conversation. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for talking to everybody and talking about your life. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, Goodbye. everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.